Hey everyone, Alex Martinson here. Glad you're listening to this pod because we're going to listen to the story of where it all began. Alex and Abby, my dear wife, do you know the origin story? Um, you're going to listen to an interview that I recently did with my new friends, Allie and Nathan Hooper. They have a podcast called the Marriage Prep Podcast, and you should go check that out immediately after listening to this. Um, their mission is to help young people uh, prepare for an amazing marriage, and once they are married, um, to continue to build it and grow it into um, a phenomenal relationship. And so uh, I had the opportunity to go over there and have them ask me a bunch of really quality questions and uh, told some stories that I don't think I've ever told publicly before about my wife and I and um, starting our family. And um, so I hope you enjoy it. And let's jump into that right now. What is up, guys? We are super, super excited to have Alex Martinson here on the call with us. Alex, welcome. Hey, pumped to be with you guys. No, we're super excited to have you guys. I, I've really been binging Alex's podcast lately, and there's just so much good, valuable content. So we had to have him on the show to kind of learn from him and pick his brain. I think you guys are really going to love what he has to provide. So Alex, want to kind of dive in. Tell us a little about yourself. Tell us your story. What's your mission? And then we want to hear about your marriage as well. Yeah, thanks so much for giving me the chance to talk with you guys. I love this topic. I love what you guys are doing. And so to tell you a little bit about me, I'll tell you where I'm at right now in life is we live in Greensboro, North Carolina. I have five kids. My oldest is nine. Our youngest is four months, four boys and a girl. And my wife of 10 years, her name is Abby. And marriage and family is awesome. It's the best game that I think you can play in this life. And so we came out here largely because it sounded like a fun adventure. And that's a very unsatisfying answer when people ask the question, why did you move from Arizona to Greensboro? Like, it's just, they feel like they need more. Like, and I feel for them because you feel like there should be more almost. Usually when you move across the country, it's like pretty simple, like, oh, because my job, you know, or mm -hmm. because my family, we're living by family or whatever. But we just, honestly, like the deeper answer beneath saying it sounded like a fun adventure is it has a lot to do with I was raised in a family that moved around quite a bit. There was a few years where we moved from Utah to Georgia to California, then to Arizona through a series of business partnerships that my dad had. And anyway, it just was such a formative experience for me and for my siblings. Like, It just opened up our, our worldview a lot. We made friendships that to this day are still super meaningful to us. It brought us much closer together as siblings. Like, I'm really close with my siblings. And I think a lot of that I attribute to the fact that we moved like far outside of our comfort zone multiple times. And so I think that plays a role in like us really wanting our kids to have some of those same experiences, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so, yeah, so that's where we're at here. And yeah, what else do you want to know about? Yeah, me? I mean, tell us about your, tell us about your business, kind of your, I know you're kind of a life performance coach, but tell us a little bit about what you do, kind of who you work with. Uh, and then tell us about like, after you talk about and kind of your mission, like what's kind of like your purpose, your goal. And then we want to hear about how you, how you met your wife and how did you know that marrying Abby was the right decision? Like what kind of led you to that? Okay, cool. So yeah, my company is called Life Performance. And what I'm doing today is something I never thought I would be doing. I mean, it just hadn't occurred to me. It wasn't like an idea that I had in my head for years that this was the direction I would go at all. In fact, as I started out, like 
my business life, career life. I served a two-year mission for my church. And so as soon as I got back from that, I was immediately inserted into the world of sales, sold many different things over the phone and then direct sales on the doors and managing sales teams on the doors. And so for years, I like identified as a salesman. Like I just, that was the hat that I wore. That was, it's what the market was telling me that I was because it rewarded me with money. And so it said, you have the gift of salesman. You are a salesman. So I did what a salesman does. I sold. I just was always selling. And um, there's something very simple about that. Just like, cool, I'm just going to always sell stuff and sell it at a high level. And this is, this is what I am, right? It was very much like I identified as that thing. And so one of the real pivot points in my life came when I, through a series of events, I, I had a real realization that selling wasn't that it wasn't that I was a salesman. It's that I have a gift for helping change beliefs. And I was simply applying that gift in a game called selling things, selling home services. And so that was like a total epiphany because that opens up a lot more questions, opens up a lot more options. It's just like, okay, this is just an application, one application of a particular gift and interest, right? And so the follow-up question to that is like, well, what are the other options? And so as I started to kind of explore that, man, what I love to do is help change people's beliefs through communication, through persuasion, through articulation, through teaching. And there's a medium version and a long version of that story. But ultimately where that landed me was in working on a very personal level and coaching, consulting, and mentoring essentially my peers. You know, my niche are men just like me. They're kind of the the term is entrepreneurial millennial family men. And not all these guys have families, but they're all family men because they want to have families. And so one of the things that I try to instill in guys is help them operate through a paradigm of like, hey, you have kids. Like if you if you have a desire to have family, you can operate today as though you have kids. You just haven't met them yet. Right. Just in the linear time, you haven't seen them yet. But there's actually a lot of power in telling a guy who's maybe young, pre-marriage or maybe early in their marriage and is trying to operate with more power in his life, whether that's in his personal life with his with his relationships or in his career. There's there's power in telling him, hey, like today you can go operate in a way that your kids will be proud of. Like, are you going to let your kids down today or are you going to give them something to be proud of? Right. And it like immediately will cause someone to kind of lift their head a little bit higher and operate a little bit differently because they can feel a bit of that stewardship and that responsibility that comes from being a father even before they're a father. Yeah. And so, yeah. So like, it started really small, started as just on the side. I just found myself having these regular phone call conversations, really just learning out loud is kind of what I like to say. It's not that I am this Wizard of Oz that has all the answers and I'm going to come ask me questions, I'm going to give you all the answers. It's that I am particularly good at learning out loud. I'm a student of the game. I, uh, I like to say that I'm homeschooled. I'm a permanent homeschooled <laughs> guy because I just, I read and I listen and I absorb and then I'm good at sharing what it is I'm learning. And awesome. um, turns out there's a lot of, hunger for that and guys yeah. that, that could use no, that absolutely. type of support. And so, so now it's kind of enveloped everything that I do. That's awesome. And tell us, tell us about Abby. Tell us about how you guys met. How did you know that like getting married was the right decision? I feel, I feel like a lot of us, you know, in this, in this age stage of life, we don't, we might meet people. We just don't know if like getting married is the right choice. Like how did you know that marrying her was the right decision for you? Yeah. So the disclaimer I'll say before telling you my experience is that through having a lot of conversations with, with, you know, different men, like 
it's just so clear to me that my experience is not typical. And what I mean by that is that it isn't necessarily like the way everyone else should go. Like when I tell you my experience, I'd say, you know, look for principles that you think are universal that you would say, okay, I align with that principle. I want to insert that into the way that I'm approaching getting married or being married. But sometimes when people hear my story, it could be like, oh, dang, I'm, I'm behind the eight ball then. Alex, he moved so quickly doing that. Like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm seven years older than he is and I haven't even gotten married. I, I always want to be sensitive to that because, yeah, I think if listening to someone else's story can get your own ego engaged to where you feel like you're doing it wrong. And so I would just say, wherever someone else is at, like you're not doing anything wrong. You could be doing something wrong. It's not, let's not sugarcoat that. But because I have done something different or faster, or this area of my life happens to be really healthy, that in and of itself is not, doesn't need to be any discouragement. So anyway, I say that because I, I have a lot of people that I really, really love and I'm close to that are, have been trying for quite some time to get married. And some that have been married and have been trying for quite some time to have kids. And so for me, marriage and kids came extremely easily. And like, I, I almost wish I could say it was this real, this real like hard battle to find my wife. And it was full of ups and downs. Honestly, it wasn't. It was the easiest thing that's ever happened to me. So that was a long disclaimer. So I'll tell you more about <laughs> Abby and, and Alex. I love my wife. I adore her. I love being married. It's like crazy. It just gets better. Um, and um, so I recently, when we were sitting around on New Year's, actually, we were sitting around with all my family. We, we went down to a beach in South Carolina and we were talking and I said out loud, perhaps for the first time, what I'm about to tell you, which is a true statement that marrying my wife was the easiest decision I've ever made. 100%. I mean, I have a hard time deciding what to order for lunch at a restaurant. Like it was the easiest decision. It felt so smooth, so right. It was like, it was like finding a family member. That's how it felt. It's like, this is my, this is my family, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a type of love I think that you develop over time in a marriage where it might not sound as romantic, but like, it's like family. No, like she's my family. Um, it's just a, a different kind of level of intimacy that, that grows, you know, that's mm -hmm. different than like the maybe novelty infatuation factor. So anyway, I, uh, the story is I, I served a mission in St. Louis, Missouri when I was 19 years old. So from 2009 to 2011, and I was riding a girl for most of my mission. And by most of my mission, I mean my entire mission, I was riding this girl. So that I thought like, wasn't super sure how serious we'd be, but by the end, towards the end of my mission, when it had been so long since I'd seen a girl, you know, I'm thinking for sure we're going to get married. You know, I was just like so yeah. hyped to get back and see her again or whatever. So she was kind of in the back of my mind, wasn't super distracted by her because we hadn't dated very long before my mission. Anyway, this is this other girl I'm talking about. Well, after I've been on my mission for like, four and a half months, I got to this area called Columbia, Missouri. And so I'm still a very new missionary. And we went to dinner with this family and halfway through the meal, they just slid this little piece of like a tiny picture, like, like the size of a yearbook photo, if I remember right. Just a little picture. She slid it across and there's this picture of a girl. And she's like, what do you think about this girl? And I just thought that was the most like uncomfortable question. I didn't even know what I could think about this girl. Like, what is this? You know? And she looked so young. I'm like, is this like your kindergartner in the other room. Like, what the heck? It's a little bit of an exaggeration kindergartner. But I mean, she was, she was young. And the truth is she was 15 in that picture. Okay. Uh -huh. So she's like, well, this is my niece. Her name's Abby. And um, yeah, I think you're going to get married. You're going to have a bunch of kids. So you're going to live happily ever after. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Just long silence. I mean, I, I just, I wasn't even like prepared to be like witty about it or like funny. I was just like, just deer in the headlights. Like, uh, you know? Yeah. So 
she would, this sister in the ward, she would bring a pre-stamped, pre-addressed envelope to church every Sunday because the following day was the day we could write letters, you know, our, our P day. And so she would just say, here's, here you go. Here's the stamp envelope, papers inside, write your wife a letter tomorrow. Wow. And I'm like, man, all right. So I started writing Abby. She wrote me back a couple of times. I mean, and it kind of fizzled out. That was it. Like, it's not a great time to start a relationship or right. like, you know, what are we even going to talk about? I'm just not, I'm so focused on what I was out there doing. So anyway, fast forward two years, I get off my mission. I'm actually, uh, my family moved to Costa Rica while I was on my mission, which was a total random, like super random. Like I'm the oldest of five kids. Family lives in Gilbert, Arizona. No one speaks Spanish except me. And all of a sudden they announced that they moved to Costa Rica, sold the house and they're living in Costa Rica. And, and so that meant I was going to go home to Costa Rica. That's where, the, that's where I flew from St. Louis to home, which was now Costa Rica. It was a very strange way to wow. come home. And uh, ended up going and uh, flying out to Baltimore and doing sales, doing summer sales with some buddies from the mission and I'm out there. And I'm doing really well out of the gates. And uh, everyone's kind of saying like, oh, dude, you're going to have a great summer. You know, like people, it takes them longer to get a hang of this and whatever. And I just did not feel like I was where I should be. I just felt like, man, this is so fast. Like there's no transition time. I went from like mission to like Costa Rica. This is random to in this hardcore sales environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I just could not feel comfortable about finishing the summer. And so you're probably getting a lot longer answer than, than you bargained for here, but <laughs> you're good. I'm getting to the good part. Okay. So I remember thinking like, what the heck do I do now? I, I, as much as I'm a planner and I kind of take pride in being a good planner and having been organized nowadays, like, I don't know what I was thinking back then. Cause I did not have any plan as to what was happening after the mission. I hadn't signed up for school. I guess I thought I would just be living in Arizona for a little bit, getting my feet under me, you know, but my, my parents are in another country and I'm like, what, what am I going to do? And I actually called a mentor, a friend of mine, who was actually my, my, uh, my bishop growing up. And I was like, man, his name is Mike Merchant. I'm like, what do I do? Like, what, what's your advice here? I'm just feeling like totally stranded. And he's like, just pray and ask where she is. Say, where is she? That's your prayer. And uh, I'm like, he's like, your wife, man. Like, just why not ask that question and then just kind of go with that. So I'm like, okay. So I'm like, where is she? And uh, I just felt, kept feeling like, well, I feel like I should go to Utah and uh, go live with my uncle in Highland. So I had no money. I had no money to buy a plane ticket. I had enough credit line on a credit card to buy a plane ticket. I mean, I had no house. I mean, obviously I didn't have a house, but I didn't have a car waiting for me there. I didn't, I was just starting from ground zero as, wow. as could be living in my uncle's basement and uh, picking weeds in his backyard for $10 an hour. Like this was what I had going for me. And anyway, I had only been there a few days and all of a sudden I remember this girl that I had written two years ago, a couple of times, she just popped right into my head. I'm like, man, what, what's up with that girl? Oh, she lives in Arizona. I'm like, dang it. And so I look her up on Facebook. Turns out she had just moved to Utah. Her family had. So yeah, I got her number, called her and just said, hey, do you want to go on a date? She's like, I'd love to. And I'm like, how about like right now? So I borrowed my great grandma's car and uh, just this like old school Ford Taurus thing and drove up to Centerville, Utah to meet her halfway. And then we went and saw a movie and, and, uh, and had dinner or whatever. And it's like, super corny, but I called my dad right after that date and just said, I just went on a date with my wife. And I just never doubted it ever wow. since that. I mean, wow. like at all. And I had already seen, you know, parts of the story I left out. I'd already seen this other girl. She actually came down to Costa Rica. We actually had like 
really like yeah. cool dates that I never thought I'd be having all this stuff. Um, and it just did not feel right at all or whatever. She's great, but just like, wasn't the, wasn't the right fit. And, and when I met Abby, it was just crazy. Like I can't even explain it other yeah. than just, I just knew this was my wife. What, what were some of like the so principles? The yeah, that's awesome. That's such a, <laughs> that's an awesome story. I, what are some like the principles that we can take away from that experience of like you meeting Abby and like, kind of like the, I guess, you know, the Lord kind of directing you in a way to finding her. Like, what can we take away? Like, what are some of the lessons that you would say like, Hey, from my story, here's some of the lessons I think you guys could take away from, uh, to help you know when you've found the right person. Yeah. So I would say that one of the core ideas there is that I was looking for my companion with whom I would start my life. I wasn't looking to start my life so that I could get to a certain point of success or get to a point of like being ready yeah. to take on responsibility. I was looking for responsibility that would fuel me to building my life. And that's where I say, I don't think that's everyone, everyone's situation, but I do say there is a spectrum between kind of looking to bring on responsibility in our life and step into some of these roles before you feel ready. And on the other side of the spectrum would be like, being really preoccupied with, I've got to be ready in every way. I need to have a certain amount of financial mm -hmm. stability and to have a certain amount of this before I get into that, any type of family responsibility. And so right. if there's a spectrum, I, I would just say people could maybe look at where are they at on that spectrum. And I think that there's a tendency just because of kind of just the direction that society is going today and just the way that, that marriage is treated currently for young people. There's a tendency that pushes us to be really far on one side of that spectrum where it's like, hey, you got to go live your life for a while. You got to get your feet under you and whatever. And for totally. some people, that's their path. But for me, I look at it and see that it was a great advantage to me and to her for us to really kind of grow up together. You know, we were mm -hmm. young. She was 18, I was 21. And uh, we felt like we grew up together in some ways. We figured this life thing out. Like, yeah, that's powerful. We didn't, we didn't have any money. We didn't have anything going for us, but we had a blast figuring it out. And so that's one principle I would say is just, I look at the responsibility factor that was then put on my shoulders as, Hey, I'm now I'm a husband. And I see that as being one of the things that actually fueled me to have some, some early success in, yeah. in my career. That's awesome. And I, I guess I want to ask you, how do you feel like someone knows, I guess, if they are ready to get married or like when, what, or what should they be working on? Like if that's kind of their path. All right, and actually, here's the question I want to ask you. I just thought of it. As like a life performance coach, as a salesman, like as a talented salesman yourself, like what's your pitch on someone to get married? Like what benefits does it have in their life? What is the reason why they should get married? Like how is that going to improve their life getting married? Like what motivation should they have to do that? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm just a believer in the institution of marriage. I, I firmly believe that the traditional nuclear family, I just believe in it. I believe in it as being fundamental to the fabric of a successful society. I believe in it being fundamental to a happy life and a productive life. So I think that one of the things I would say is that it occurs to me that there's a certain level of growth that we can achieve on our own. But as it's, you know, my experience has been that our growth can be both accelerated and go even further when we are united with, with a spouse. And so if people are looking to grow and they're thinking that, man, I got to grow a ton before I could have a family of my own, I would just say, maybe, maybe challenge that assumption. Maybe question that assumption and say, is that really the case? Is there evidence that would suggest that often it's the other way around? So that's, that's one of my thoughts on mm -hmm. it.
I love that. I totally agree with that. I think Nathan and I have grown a ton. Like we were just kids when we got married. So I would just have to ditto yeah. to that for sure. Like I think a lot of people think they need yeah. to be perfect to get married. It kind of reminds me of that, the book, The Happiness Advantage, you guys have read it, where it talks about, it's like a lot of us think that in order to be happy, we have to have success. But he kind of challenges that and says, no, in order to have success, you need to first be happy. And I think I, I agree with you, Alex, that like a lot of times in order to like, be like in order to get married you have to feel ready for marriage but sometimes like in order you just got to get married first and like the responsibility and the growth comes after that which i which i love i think it's powerful man i guess now i want to go back to my original question like if someone is out there maybe they're you know maybe they're in the same position as you like they just go back from their mission or whatever or they're they're single maybe they're dating around maybe they have something serious kind of going like what aspects of their life do you feel like they should work on? Like, you know, maybe they want to get married, but they want to make sure that they are kind of in the right place, like kind of reversing this. What should they be working on their life to make sure that they are in the right place to get married? Like they are, like if someone does have that mindset, of like I want to be ready for marriage, like what does that look like? What should they work on? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. I think, uh, I think a successful marriage is a service situation. <laughs> like if, if we're dating and thinking about our spouse in terms of like you're shopping, looking for a car. And it's like, okay, here are all the things on my list. Here are the the benefits and all that is what I'm looking for. I'm trying to find like a great deal, you know, like if it's like a consumer mentality. Yeah. I'm sure there's some of that that is unescape inescapable. But I think it would be helpful for someone really young or just still searching for their spouse to hear that, hey, like once you really get into this institution of marriage and family, you are there to serve and give and produce. It's about, you're going to get, and there will be reciprocal love and like you're going to get a ton of benefit, but it's going to come as a result of you giving and providing and serving. And so I think thinking of yourself as like, man, what can I do in my personal life that's going to make me more capable to give more, right? And so if you're being dishonest with yourself, for example, or you can't keep commitments to yourself, how capable are you to, to then be honest with your spouse, who's going to be the most important person in your life? How capable are you to keep commitments to them? So that'd be a great place to start. Mm-hmm. It's like, am I telling myself the truth? Do I keep my commitments that I make to myself? Do I, am I a student? Am I actually learning from the very best content? Am I learning from the very best mentors? Am I asking successful people good questions? Because if you're not absorbing and always gaining new knowledge and growing in in your understanding, again, how capable are you going to be to be able to impart knowledge and, and teach and share insights and help this other person grow? And so you can actually use the fact that you are going to have an opportunity to, to be a light in this person's life as fuel or motivation to step up your own game in terms of, you know, like I've said before, telling yourself the truth, keeping the commitments to yourself that you've made, and then being an avid learner. Like for example, I love to learn, but but if I ever find myself slowing down in my learning, I, I remind myself that, hey, I've got these five little people that call me dad that are looking for me to teach them about the world. And so that just motivates me right there, right? It's just fuel. Because it's like, if my learning is only motivated by, I want to advance my earning potential or I want to just entertain myself, that's fuel to a point. But if I realize like, hey, I'm not banking on my kids' teachers teaching them anything valuable. And that's not saying teachers don't teach things valuable, but I'm just going to assume, like just to manage my own expectations, I'm going to say, let's just assume they teach them nothing that actually really matters and that their school ends up being like a long daycare service. The reason I like that perspective is because it's like, it puts 
even though we aren't homeschooling our kids right now, it puts the the sense of ownership on us and on me to teach my kids the meaningful, both secular and special and spiritual lessons of life. And it's cool how one of the most fulfilling things about being a dad is these conversations I get to have with my kids late at night or on drives and just explaining to them the way the world works, you know? I mean, little things like I go fly, flying somewhere with my son crew, who's my oldest, he's nine. And I just said, okay, dude, like you're going to get us to the gate. You can ask me if you get stuck, but I want you to just do everything. Like help me find security, help me know where I go. What do I pull out? Do I show them my ID or show my boarding pass? Like look for our gate number, tell me where to go. And it's kind of overwhelming for him a little bit. I said, I'm here if you need me, but I want him to have these experiences of like just functioning in the world. And so that he knows as a nine-year-old how to navigate himself to a plane if he needed to. Like that might sound like I went down a tangent right there. Maybe I did, but like that, that's what fires me up. It's so huh. fun to teach. And I teach my wife things and she teaches me things, but I can only teach that which I know. And I can only continue to share if I'm continuing to grow and to learn. Right. So to tie that all back to your initial question, it's like, I would just tell people like, take extreme responsibility for your own education. And I'm not talking your formal education. That could be a part of it. But like your own education, like, are you actually learning and growing in your understanding? Do you know more today than you did last month? Do you know more this year than you did last year? And not just facts and information, but also like learning about yourself, like actual self-discovery, learning how to manage your own psychology and, uh, and extract more and more performance out of yourself day to day, because that will make you so much more capable of, you know, being awesome for, for your family. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. That's really powerful. I, just to kind of echo that, it, it sounds like you're saying, you know, you kind of want to improve yourself. And even if you're not married, even if you're like, you don't even have anyone that you're dating, if you start working on yourself and start trying to improve and then continue that lifestyle throughout your whole life, it's going to allow you to be able to like be marketable to a future spouse, get married, and then you'll be a better father, better spouse, better mm-hmm. mother, whatever, and just have better relationships in your life and, and yeah. make your kids' lives better as well. And I love what you said too about yeah, like, absolutely, how can you keep commitments to a spouse if you can't keep commitments to yourself? Like that's huge. Like being able to trust yourself to deliver on what you're saying you're going to do. Like that's, that's, I think that's a massive thing that people should focus on. So I love that. And now this might be a kind of a, a weird question, but I can tell you're, you're a passionate father. You're probably an awesome dad. Like what lessons do you feel like you've learned from fatherhood that would apply to like new husbands or like new wives out there, like new spouses? Like what do you feel like you you can take from your experience as a father that would apply to like these people who are just getting like freshly getting married? Mm. Yeah. A couple come to mind immediately. The first is that one-on-one dates are the key with your kids. I mean, like if I, if, if you had to pick one thing, like that I would tell myself as an early dad, that's it. Period. Mm. End of story. Wow. Like, it's, it's crazy how big of a deal it is because when you have multiple kids and they're all together, they're not, I mean, they're not always very fun to be around. Like you can love people and not like them. Like there's times where if you are just with your kids in a group, you might find yourself not liking them. Okay. <laughs> that's a harsh reality. Yeah. It's like, I love you to death and I, I just don't really like you right now. And that's because they compete for your attention and they just feed off of each other and they just, they get really wild and crazy. But you take one of those kids and you say, Hey, tomorrow we're going on a date, right? Give them something to look forward to. And it can be a simple date, but they completely change. Hmm. They go get their hair done and they get all ready to go on the date and they feel like all the attention and the love. And they're just a different human being. You like them and love them. And their formative experiences for their development. But, but also I think those are the things that they retain in their memory. It's just the, it's just the best thing ever. Mm. So it's like the times where I feel like I'm on as a dad and there's plenty of times where I feel like I'm off. 
the times where I feel like I'm on, it's usually around like a one-on-one date type experience with one yeah. of my kids. It's just, That's powerful. just a game changer. What are some yeah. of the, the best dates you've taken like your wife on? Or what are some of the dates you guys like? Do you guys go on dates regularly still today? Or like what are some of the best dates you guys like to go on? Yeah. So I can tell you one thing that's kind of been a more recent evolution in in going on dates with my wife, now talking about dates with, with us, are day dates. Like the day date game is, has been awesome for us just here recently. And, and a lot of that's a, a function of we, we hired a nanny. She comes like three or four times a week. And so my three oldest are in school, the two babies are at home and the nanny's there with the babies. And so like her and I have been going to brunch. It's just cool because for years it was just like the nighttime date. And we kind of got into the routine of it pretty much being the same thing every time. Like we go to dinner and then we have to like rush home for the babysitter and it's mm-hmm. late and you know, whatever. But having it be during the day and we go to like brunch or we just go shopping or we go run errands, um, it's just great. So yeah. I would just say like the day date is clutch, but also the aspect of like novelty and mixing things up cool. is big. I mean, I feel like, I genuinely feel like lately we've had a lot of experiences where we feel like we're newlyweds again, just like having a lot of fun feeling very close and marriage is full of ups and downs. And like, sometimes I think the things I say or the things I show look so highlight reel that it's like, man, talk about some downs or some lows. Like there are certainly those, but um, I have integrity when I say that right now I'm just enjoying like a special level of fun and intimacy with, with my wife and, and the day dates have played a role in that. So that's, awesome. that's so cool. I think a lot of people worry that once they get married, like their life's kind of over and it's boring and it's just mundane. But I think like if you really put the work in and you, you know, you figure out ways like new things to do, new day dates, go to brunch, like get creative and find new things to do. Your marriage can be exciting. And, you know, there are ups and downs, like you said, and, and that's, that's anything in life, but it's cool that it can be like really rewarding and, and really exciting and and feel kind of new your whole life. You know, if you put the work in. That's awesome. hundred percent. Alex, do you guys, do and your wife, do and Abby have any kind of like systems. Like I love the day day. I love that. Like, do you guys have any kind of systems that you guys have in place where it's like every day we do this or like every week we do this? Like, do you guys have any, like what systems do you guys have in your marriage that's helped you to like still have that, maintain that freshness and feel like you're still newlyweds? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that, uh, again, when we're on, one of the things that you'll find is that we're having effective planning meetings together. And usually that's like a Sunday night deal. You open up both the calendars and we make sure that we're clear on things like, especially like kids activities, like when they're at, she has an appointment here. I have an appointment here, getting that done, but actually putting it in the calendar. So important. And one of the things that we've done in the last few years that we didn't do in the beginning was like calendar invites, like as like corporate and cold as that sounds like dude, the calendar invite, <laughs> everything, because then she knows I see it. And I know she sees it, you know, like send her an invite for a thing that we both, are supposed to be at just do that it's like amazing yeah and uh yeah so that's that's one of them i think one of the things that i've experienced before and i think a lot of guys that are my peers also experience is sometimes this pressure around work particularly if they're self-employed and have a lot of autonomy over their schedule there can be this unique level of friction that exists that maybe doesn't exist as frequently or at all with people that have a very structured 9 to 5 type job what I'm referring to is like, like today, for example, I might not have any appointments. I, I had two fixed appointments, my call with you guys. And then I have a, a mastermind call that I'm running for, a, for one of my clients tonight at 8, 8 p.m. But outside of that, today's a day where I'm doing a lot of thinking, a lot of thought work. I've got some brainstorming that I'm doing. I've got some things that I'm 
thinking about, something that I'm writing. So it's kind of like guys that are in my situation or have some of those same things. If your wife's feeling a little overwhelmed or like, oh, we could use your home. Like, what do you have? And if it's like, oh, you don't have any appointments, like come home. I would struggle with that because I would feel like the guilt of like, if I don't have appointments, maybe I should just like go help my wife. And I'm talking like during business hours. And hopefully the way I'm articulating this makes any sense to anybody. But like, if you're a business owner, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, there's a sweet spot you can get to where there's going to be more peace in your marriage, but also you're going to continue to produce in your business, which is where you really do treat work time as work time. And like, you may not have a fixed appointment with somebody, but like you have an appointment with your work. Now, it's not to say that you can't, in an emergency, go rush home and do this or whatever. And, and it's a different dynamic for everybody, but it's like, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And like, and like one of the things that makes it very hard is that people work at home. When you have kids and, and you work at home and you're self-employed and you're doing work that's maybe more creative in nature, or like your online marketer or something where it is super flexible by nature, just being home, being around, like the family feels like they can reach you, then they will reach you. And if they aren't currently reaching out to you, you'll feel like almost the pressure of like, oh, I probably should go check in or whatever. It, it's just like a weird thing. And so mm -hmm. something that we've gotten better at is kind of like just that, that structure. And this is where the, the planning comes in. It's like, okay, yeah, like I'm at the office, like I'm at work, you know what I mean? And she supports me in, in that work. And it's just, it's made us a lot more effective. Um, Love that. Yeah. That makes me think about like... Anyway, hope yeah. that makes sense. No, yeah. I, I think about like boundaries in relationships and like when you're at work, you're at work so that when you're at home, you can be at home and mm -hmm. you're, you're home with your kids, with your wife, like you're there. And I think that's important with any relationship, with anything, right? Like when you're at work, you're focusing on work. 100%. When you're with, when you're at a, on a lunch date with a friend, you're on that lunch date with a friend and that's it. And that's all you're thinking about. And I think that is, that's so critical yeah. and and sticking to your own commitments. I think yeah. that's just like a good practice for life. That's so. powerful. It makes me think of too, you've probably read the book, Alex, Oh, The Greatest Salesman in the World, where he talks about, you know, one of the... Yeah, one of Ogmandino. The, yeah, Ogmandino. One of the scripts he talks about, it's like you have to divorce. In order to be as, as effective, you have to like divorce your home from your work and your work from your home. It's like he says, like the great paradox mm. of life. I think that's so true. It's like mm. having those boundaries allows you to be so much more present when you're with your wife and when you're with, you know, your kids or whatever. But I also want to echo that what you talked about with scheduling. Because I listened to your pod, Alex has a podcast episode. I think it's your, like episode four or five. We talk about scheduling everything. I love that. And that's something that Ali and I have been implementing is like having our weekly like planning meetings. That's been huge for us. Like so helpful for us to like plan out our weeks, know what we have, like when no one we step up and I need to take care of the baby or, you know, just kind of be on the same page and be able to plan out dates and things like that has been super, super powerful. So I would definitely recommend you guys to plan out and you know whether you're married or not, like making sure you're planning out your weeks yeah. and planning together is, is really powerful. Yeah, I think when you're dating, like, you it's just comes naturally like you schedule dates or whatever yeah. but once you're married like it's you gotta mm -hmm. plan so that you can also schedule in like dates and time together and that kind of thing so 100 percent. and yeah Allie made a great point about the you know you, just the way you said it was great Allie like if you're home you're home if you're at work be at work be present like one thing i would add to that is that kids do not they cannot compute this idea of like hey i'm on a call like if you're in the room as far as they're concerned you're home so like, it's just difficult to like explain to them, okay, well, I know you can see my body here, but like, I, I, leave I'm me alone here. for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just don't, they don't get it. And so you'll get blue in the face, like good luck trying to explain to them. They're just stoked that you're home. And so what I have learned, and again, what I am learning is that I serve them better by just 
finish the phone call in the car around the corner. Mm. Don't pull into the driveway. Like, don't do that to them. Don't yeah. let them see you. And then you're telling them like, Shh, be quiet, be quiet. I'm on the phone. Like, that's just dumb. And yeah. I did that for years. Park around the corner. And it's kind of funny because like sometimes I've had experiences where my wife like drives out of the neighborhood with the kids and they see me like around the corner. Like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? You know, I'm like, I'm hiding from you guys. <laughs> so that when I come home, I can just like, boom, I'm here. And again, like this is such a learning progress, but it's like when I'm on, that's a common theme is like, I'm just trying to just not show up until I'm in a spot where yeah. I can give that undivided attention. Yeah, no, that makes and sense. And I'm sure they appreciate that too. Absolutely. And this has been, this has been awesome, Alex. I feel, I've definitely learned a ton. I think that everyone else listening has learned a ton as well. But the last thing I want to kind of hit on before we wrap up is one of the calls I had with you, it was, you know, I, I've been in one of those mastermind calls you've done and I, it was super, super valuable for me. But you talked about this concept of being a drifter versus being a non-drifter um, that comes mm. from the book Outwitting the Devil. And I feel like it's so common in these, in these days where people kind of drift through the marriages. You know, uh, in one of our episodes we talked about when we interviewed the More Marriages podcast team, they talked about how you become roommates in your marriage. And that's, I feel like that's kind yeah. of equivalent to drifting through. So how do you feel like, you know, just as you kind of wrap up, like, how do you feel like we can be non-drifters, be intentional about our marriage and not just drift and become roommates? And, you know, how can we, how can we be better about that? Great question, man. I, there's a lot of like, just an emotional impact to me on this, just tied to the phrase non-drifter. And that, that's, that's because I have such a deep love for the book Outwitting the Devil. So just another plug for that. If someone hasn't read that book, like we all hear so many book recommendations. People are like, oh yeah, it's so good. You know, go read it. Like, like for real though, read this one. Okay, it's that good. Read it with your wife, read it with your husband. Like just phenomenal. So anyway, non-drifter, it means to think for yourself and it means to have an intention and there's a, there's a quote I heard recently that said, the only fish that go with the flow are dead, hmm. which is true, right? Yeah. And so if you're going with the flow, we kind of think of that as like a cute phrase, like, oh, just go with the flow. Well, I question that. Go, go with the flow sounds a lot like a drifter. It means you're, you're reacting to the environment. So if you and your wife both happen to be in a good mood and the kids are in a good mood and it's kind of a good day, then you're kind of going with the flow, having a good day. And if things aren't that way, one of you doesn't feel super well or the kids are crazy, then you're going to kind of go with the flow of that day and react to that and be kind of crazy. Like, I'm not really interested in going with the flow. I'd rather be intentional. And to be intentional, you have to know what you want. And I think this is one of the greatest commonalities we all share is that most of us don't know what we want. I mean, not in detail, at least. We have very vague ideas at best of what we want in any given domain of our life. Like, what do you want in your marriage? Well, more happiness. That's great. But like, can you get more clear than that? Like, what do you want it to look like when you're 50? Like, what do you want your lifestyle to look like? And one of the ways you can start to define what it is that you want in your marriage, by the way, is just keeping your eyes open and looking for examples. Like I have people in my life that I, I look at them, you know, maybe they're 10, 20 years down the road from us. And I think of, hey, that, that helps inform what I want. I like this aspect of their marriage. Mm. And it's not that you're trying to be them, but it, it can give you ideas, right? Just like if you're trying to design a house, you go to like a design center, look for inspiration. Well, look for inspiration from people that have an awesome marriage and maybe they have elements that you wouldn't want, but they do have some that you do want. Right. And so if you talk about that, like creating the marriage you want, creating the lifestyle that you want together, just like if you were building a house, that's really cool. I mean, that's a very high level thing to do to talk about like, Hey, what's your idea of like, just if our marriage was a 10 out of 10, just on fire, what are some characteristics that you would list? What are, how would you describe that? Right? Like get your wife's input, get your input. Like, and you might find that you have some things that are very different than, than the other. And a lot of times that comes when you have opposite love languages, for example. 
not opposite, but like just different love languages that are your primary love language. But anyway, so I think, I think that's one way that you can be a non-drifter is actually have a vision of what it is you would like. And this is both macro and micro. So the micro, for example, is like when the kids finally go to bed and you guys have just, you have just your first kid so far? Yeah, just yeah. one little baby. Yeah. Five months. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> Five months. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you probably experience this to, to an extent already. And even if you don't have kids, this is the thing, right? It's like there comes a point of the night where it's sit in bed and look at the phone time. Okay. This is like everyone's like the day is ending and you sit in the bed and it's like the default is just like, ah, catch up on your stuff. You know, you're reading, you're scrolling, you're whatever. I mean, for all the talk about morning routines, like I think the most, uns, the, the most untalked about like power hour of your day is the last hour of your day. Like Amen. this is where the Love most that. drifting can occur, right? Because it's like, okay, I'm just going to sit in my bed, read whatever I'm reading, do whatever I do. And my wife's going to do the same. And then when we're at the point of exhaustion, we're going to look over at each other and be like, hi, what's up? You want to like, should we say a prayer? Should we whatever? Like we're, we're already half brain dead. Like you're done, you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's the best time of the day, the best time of the night. It could be, it could be the best time of your day. It could be the best hour for your relationship. And so again, a high level thing is to be like, what do you want the last night of our, the last hour of our night to look like tonight? Hmm. Like, let's just design it. You, yeah. No building has ever been constructed that anyone had anything good to say that didn't have a design. There was a vision, there was a plan, and then it was built. And so you can do that on a micro level with the last hour of your night tonight. You can design it. Just ask, what do you want it to look like? And let's just create it. You can do that with a macro level as well. Like, hey, what do you want it to look like when we're old and gray? And just what do you want to be doing? You know, let's start building that now. I love that. I love that. And I think that applies to like, just going back to the earlier on in this podcast, Nathan asked a question of like, how do you know if your partner's right for you? And I think as you're sifting through people, if your visions are aligned, you're going to be okay. Yeah. And like your big vision, right? Like what you want out of life, if they're, or even if they're just like, if they go together, okay, if they're, if they yeah. mix well, then you're set and you're good. So you guys have similar that. blueprints where, you know, the blueprint for your life isn't like an apartment yes. building and she has a mansion, you know, you want to make sure you have the similar blueprints yes. for your goals and where you're trying to go. Yeah. Love that. Yes. You, you really do not find you do not find a relationship. You build it. I mean, and it's just, I, that's just so true. I believe that is so true. And so it's like, if we're using the house analogy, analogies can decompose as you take them further. But let's just say, you know, the spouse, <laughs> the prospective spouse, they're more a plot of land than they are a house. Yeah. Right. Like this is, right. So you're looking for core values. You're looking for alignment on the way that you see the world, the way that, you know, your fundamental beliefs about a family and what you really want out of life. And then you're looking for willingness to play full out and to be union, to, to unify, to be vulnerable and, and all the things that are required for a loving relationship. But then you build, you get out the hammer and the nail, you, you're going to be constructing this relationship for years to come. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the rest of your lives. Yeah. That's like, that's like what it comes down to, like uh -huh. your whole life, right? Like your marriage, it's that's building awesome. and it's, yeah. Well, that's this cool. has been a super, super awesome and super valuable podcast. Hope you guys have loved it. I know I'm going to have to re-listen this one a couple of times. There's been some really like solid nuggets to take away from it. Alex, is there anything else you want to like, that's been on your mind you want to kind of wrap up with? Anything else you tell, you know, some some people out there, newlyweds or people preparing to get married or wanting to get married? What are the, your kind of your last words to them before we wrap up? Well, let me ask you a question first. Like, who is your target listener? Who, who are you guys trying to serve the most? If you had to, I'm sure there's a range, but if yeah. you had to identify the person that's in the most sweet spot, who are they? Where are they at in their life? 
It's probably people who are dating, engaged, and then newly married. And yeah. and there's always some people who are like, have been married for a while and just looking for marriage advice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Would you say if you took a poll of your listeners today that it's mostly people that are dating looking for marriage versus people that are already married? I'd say it's probably probably half and half. Half and half. I would agree with I, that. I'd agree. There's some pro- there's newlyweds. Some and, newlyweds and people who are engaged and stuff. And yeah. Most, I think more newlyweds. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, here's the one that I would say for newlyweds. I would say that one of the lowest, like a piece of low-hanging fruit, like a like just a something that you can adopt that will very much move the needle, okay, is the practice of lowering your expectations. And I don't believe in having no expectations. People talk about that. Like, I have no expectations. I just don't think that's a thing. I think that subconsciously, we always write an expectation. So what I choose to do is I want to lower it. Just lower it. And it sounds... Yeah, this doesn't sound real like great or like real romantic or wonderful, <laughs> but it's like if you can learn to do that like a pro, holy cow, the amount of friction and like discord that you will avoid is unbelievable. Like you will inoculate yourself against discord and friction in so many situations. It's unbelievable. And, you know, the example I give is it's like if I drive home from work and I'm not aware of the fact that I am always writing expectations, it's just the way I'm wired. If I'm not aware of that, some subtle subconscious expectation might begin to be written that says, Hey, I worked really hard today. You know, like I expect my wife and my kids are going to run up to me and just give me the big hug and kiss. They're going to tell me how proud they are of me and they, you know, how hard I worked and they're all just ready for me to walk in. And like, there's dinner on the table or whatever. Like the kids are like in their pajamas and excited to just have a story read to them. Like this ideal, whatever it is. Right. And again, this could be subconscious, but you walk in that door and you step on a Cheerio and someone's screaming and there's a diaper that needs to be changed and y- your, your wife's on the phone, you know, rushing out the door like, hey, you forgot, I've got this girl's night, you know, see ya. Okay, now the game is how well can I manage my frustration or my ego? How well can I manage the situation and try to still like be the, the, the best version of myself that's loving and serving and giving? That's a hard game to play. Like that's just difficult difficulty level, double black diamond or skiing. Okay. (laughs) You can do it, but I'm not interested in trying to get better at that. I'm trying to go upstream of that. And I want to drive home. And this is just like a tactical tip, you know, is like drive home and imagine. (laughs) It's just funny. Some of the examples I give, I worry about them. But (laughs) if if you're going home, like imagine that you'll walk in and that your other half is going to just absolutely need your immediate service and help. Like that they're overwhelmed, they're frustrated. They just had a rough conversation with their friend or their mom or whatever. And that you're going to go in and just bring the light and just love on them and serve them. And you're going to go in and help clean up this mess. You're going to go in and do this. You're going to go in and say, hey, why don't you go run to the store, have some alone time. The kids are going to be in, you can even get exaggerative with it. Like exaggerate kind of a, a worst case scenario. This works when you're trying to travel. This works in so many different venues, by the way. So you kind of project this scenario. that's almost laughably you know, irrealistically low in terms of how comfy it's going to be. Okay. But you don't do it in a way that like brings you down where you're like, Oh crap. You, you also visualize yourself loving it and like putting a smile on just be like, Hey, I'm just coming home to just make her life epic and like make my kids' lives happy. Just make them laugh. I'm going to go and just, and if you have framed it that way, well, guess what? You're going to walk in and nine times out of 10, it's way better than what you projected. And you're just the way we're wired. Like when our expectations are exceeded, we feel good. Yeah. And when wow, you feel good, powerful. you're better for people. It's money. And it's just like, yeah, it's a game changer. Like if someone's going on a road trip, instead of thinking like, hey, this is going to go well, we got the kids, you know, tablets and like 
We're going to stop and take breaks. This is going to go well. Like, dude, you've already lost the game, bro. Like, stop saying it's going to go well. Picture it's going to be an absolute just hellhole. Like, it's going to be nuts. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Kids are going to be freaking out. And you're going to make it a blast. You're going to laugh about mm -hmm. it. You're going to just get through it and just like learn. And just it, at the end of the night, you're going to feel like, you know, high five your wife, like we crushed this. And then it's probably going to be better than that. Yeah. But like that, I think that's the elite level to play it at. That's cool. I, I, but yeah, that's, you asked who our awesome. audience is. I think that applies to everyone yeah. on the planet. So <laughs> good answer. That's funny. Good answer. That's awesome. Well, Alex, thank you so much. This has been super, super valuable. Super awesome. I hope you guys love this. Definitely take some notes. You know, if you didn't re-listen to it, there's a lot of great nuggets in here. So we really appreciate it, Alex. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you guys. Keep up what you're doing. I think it's it's absolutely phenomenal that you yeah, that you guys put yourself out there like this as someone who tries to do this type of thing as well. Like I know it's not easy. There's a lot of friction and a lot of reasons to not do it or to avoid it. And yeah. you guys push through that obviously and do it and do it well. So, you know, please keep it up. Thanks so much, thank man. You. Appreciate so it. Nice. Okay, Bye. we'll see you guys. Have a good one. See you next week.